Hello and welcome to the Points of Brew podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Points of Brew podcast with me, Stephen Carter. And this week I'm joined by James Fox, who is the brewer and owner behind Fox Brewing. How are you doing, James? You okay? I'm very good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's it's nice to have you on, so thank you for thank you for joining me. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. No, no, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. anyone anyone's welcome who wants to uh, send beer and talk about beer. So you know, all, <laughs> all's all's good in my world, mate. But uh, yeah, but yeah, it's 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 nice to have somebody on who's got a bit of a different perspective and steer on the on the sort of the the craft beer scene. Given that obviously I've had a couple of brewers and breweries mm. on, but from a a more home brewer level or a much smaller scale it's it's nice to yeah. or it'd be good to see the insight from from that side of things so yeah definitely um, yeah it'd be good to uh, good to get your your side of it for sure mm-hmm. but yeah but um but are we um are we drinking whilst as, as obligatory join a beer podcast of course it'd be rude to talk about beer without drinking it wouldn't it be mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'm drinking some northern monk i've got the new world ipa and i've got the fair for hazy pale ale from my next drink lined up. Perfect. Lovely stuff. And yeah. and, it, and it'd be rude not to um not to drink a beer by the uh, the, the guest of the show which uh, as mentioned mm-hmm. just then you uh, you kindly sent me a couple of bottles of your um recently brewed socially distant IPA which I'm yeah. drinking now and I must admit I'm I'm actually really enjoying it and I'm, I'm not just oh, saying that because you I'm not saying that because yeah. you just done the <laughs> podcast but I'm actually it's really nice. I'm really enjoying oh, it. I'm glad you're enjoying it's, it. No, I I think it's incredibly drinkable uh, i think it's yeah, just yeah. really really light and really drinkable and it's 5.3 percent yeah 5.3 yeah it, five, i think about more 5.3.5 but yeah mm. 5.3 um i enjoyed it uh, but i'm always going to be biased towards my own mm. beer so it's obviously good just to get when i start speaking to yourself a beer review page I was more than happy to send you some to get some mm. honest feedback on it yeah um no, i'm glad sure. you like it yeah no, no, I, I think it's really nice, mate. I mean, I'd, if I was doing it myself, I'd always be really cynical of my own beer. I must admit, I don't think yeah. I'd enjoy it. If, I, if I'd brewed it, I think I'd be, tend to be more cynical than actually enjoy it, which George mm. had said when from Padstow, he'd said the same, that he's always looking at it as a, as a cynic as opposed to just appreciating it for what it is. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I think it's a a really good beer and it's got one of my favourite hops in it, Mosaic, and then obviously you've got my tweaker in there as well, haven't you? So Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're my, uh, my two favourite hops now. Um, I use Mosaic in most bees that I brew to be honest mm. um, I yeah, use it for my, bit, for my bittering hops in most brews because mm. um, when I first went all grain I started out doing extract brewing um, which is the beer in a can it's like um, liquid extract it's just syrup basically mm-hmm. that you mix with water sugar and yeast but yeah. then I moved on to all grain and the first brew that I did was a mosaic smash so mm-hmm. smash beer is single malt and single hop I just used a, a, a plain uh, Marisota pale malt um, and used right. mosaic hops and I just fell in love with them since then, mm. and it just because it was my first all grain brew that I did. Um, I think about 80% of my brews I use mosaic in them, so I do spend a lot of my money on mosaic hops at the minute. Yeah, no, no, a good reason. Like I say, it's one mm. of my, it's up there with Citrus as one of my, uh, oh, one yeah. of my favorite hops. And I know some people sometimes get some sort of weird aromas or flavors from it, but for me, I, it's when we brewed over at Horseworth and we chucked mosaic in it. Just if you get a good bag of mosaic, you know, from pellets or leaf, it's just, oh, it's just, it just smells incredible, isn't oh, it? It's just it is. So it's good. Curious how hops should smell, you know what I mean, when you get yeah. a good batch of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, I, I love mosaic and it's, no, it, it really it shines through that obviously it's good to see that you, you use that quite, quite regularly and it's, uh, yeah, 
it's mm. understandable as, as to why you do that. So yeah, um, and the, the motor work, it was the first time I'd actually used them. Um, the mm. relatively new strain of hops from New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, and everybody on all the, the UK homebrew farms that I'm on always talks about them. So I just I tried it and mixed it together, and it just mm-hmm. I think it worked. Re- they work really well mm. together. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got you. They both kind of give a bit of sweetness as well, which is. Mm-hmm. Which is quite nice as well. So, but no, I'm I'm really enjoying that, mate. So no, I think it's no, a, good. It's a, it's a it's a cracking brew. So, um, not one of the questions that I'd lined up then. So just one that's kind of come to me there with these beers that you do. Then, are you, would you, will you rebrew them, or you just kind of you, you brew one, then do it once, and then do another one? Or um, I'm do, I'm do, I'm going to do this brew again. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it that much, and I've everyone has drank it has enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. and I actually ran out. I've I, I promised a couple more people I'd post them, but I've just ran out unfortunately. So. I'm going. I've got part of the ingredients now to to brew it again, um, but I'm yeah. making a few minor tweaks. I'm increasing the grain bill by 500 grams just to get mm-hmm. a bit, to take it to maybe 5.6 percent. I think right. it will get to, mm-hmm. um, and a few more motorwaker more hops in the dry hop, uh, mm-hmm. just because as time goes on, I mean this all these bottles went straight out. But as time goes on with homebrew, some of the hop aroma does disappear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously you're going to use a bit more because I want to keep some aside. Christmas time if possible uh, just mm-hmm. to see how well the age over six months yeah. um, so I'm just going to use a, quite a, probably about 35-40 grams more of motor waker in the dry hop and just mm-hmm. see how that one goes yeah yeah no cool stuff no it's I mean I, I'd, I'd definitely say brew it again you know based on, on that yeah. for sure and you know it's, it's it's a great beer and it's understandable to see why why people have uh, people have enjoyed it so do you, no, um, do, do, you do you just send it out to me though? do you actually Tell it to people as well, then. Or no, they've been a home brewer. Um, mm. it's, I'm just a home brewer. I'm not licensed to sell my beer or anything mm. yet. <laughs> That's the yeah. plan further down the line. But I mm. just give it out to friends and family. I mean, I've my my dad, my stepdad, my two brothers. They all love their beer. So mm-hmm. as soon as I do a brew, they're, they're, there's already between ten and fifteen bottles gone out to those. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, they're always keen to try. It. I'm quite keen for them to drink it and give yeah. feedback. Um. And also speaking to you know yourself, um, and there's also um, Jake, you know, bad photos of pretty beers. Yeah, uh, yeah. On Instagram, yeah, yeah. sent him a couple of bottles, and there's also a guy called Craig, uh, ten out of ten craft beer ratings. Mm-hmm. Sent yeah, him yeah. a couple of bottles this time, so it, it went out pretty quickly, to be honest. But I was happy mm. to do that just to get some good yeah, feedback yeah. on it. No, well, I don't think you'll be short of people um, happy to to take and drink beer, mate. I don't think you'll no. be. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you'll be short of that in this community. Yeah. But, when um, I, when I, Offer uh, Phoebe, it seems to be a, a good offer to people. Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly. Um, but I must admit, bad bad photos are pretty beery. Um, it was mentioned to me just before we we came on. Actually, he was really looking forward to it, and I think he said he's going to sup um sup his bottles over the weekend. Um, yeah. So he was just he was just travelling home from work, but he's he's looking forward to to this episode and and trying the beers oh, and himself. So, but it's mm-hmm. it's good to see that you you know, albeit on a on a small small scale and a sort of a much lesser level, but getting, you know, good reception and people willing to, to kind of take it yeah. on board and give it a try, mate. It's the only way that you're really going to improve, I suppose, isn't it, really? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, quite welcome constru- constructive criticism on my beer as, as well, um, you know, from people in the know, like yourself, who you review beers regularly. Mm. So I think it's the best way to go about it myself. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, so I suppose that kind of leads really into the the first sort of obligatory obligatory question that I was going to ask you um, as part of the part of the podcast is where mm. did it where did it all begin for you? Then what's what sort of made you start wanting to brew your own beer? 
Um, well, it was actually about two years, coming up two years ago in July, my brother Joey bought me an, an extract beer kit from, mm-hmm. from Wilco's, just an, an standard IPA, and he bought me a plastic fermenting bucket for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, I brewed that, and to be honest, I wasn't expecting much, because when you pick your think home brew, I was thinking of stuff that my granddad brewed in the 80s, and the yeah. air cupboard that was cloudy, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, so I wasn't expecting a lot. And when I, when I opened it, I was, even though it was an extract brew, I was amazed by the quality of it. Mm. Um, and it quickly turned from a hobby into an obsession, really. Right. Um, I yeah. went from there. I've got my brother-in-law. Um, he's a graphic designer, so he, he designed me some logos for my bottles mm-hmm. that I put on. Um, and he's he's done a lot of my logo work. Actually, give me a shout out. Andy Mack is a Rusty underscore designs on Instagram. Um, and from there, I ended up going all grain, and I was just doing small batches in the kitchen, just one gallon mm-hmm. batches. Um, yeah. and then I had to get electricity wired in the garage, and I've got my a full setup going now in the garage. And that's on the space of two years. Yeah, it's kind of snowballed quite a lot. It did, yeah. years, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the thing that I've said. I mean, our Andy, my brother, he's he's got a garage and he's got um a decent sort of couple of sort of vessels and what have you that he's done. Right. Obviously, it's in sort of still sort of homebrew size, not any sort of anything commercial. And he's done a couple, and it's like it's something that I'd always wanted to give a go, but mm. we don't have a garage here, you know. So it's right. like. If you don't have a garage or you know somewhere dedicated to do it, it it, it can be quite space consuming and quite tricky to yeah. to manage and deal if, with I mean, if you don't have a dedicated well, I would say, space. If for you it. don't have a a garage, you could look at the all in one systems, you know, like the grandfather or mm. you know, they, I, I don't use one of those myself, but they they're ideal for people to use in their house in the kitchen because mm. you can just tuck it away in the cupboard when you're not using it. Um, yeah, compared yeah. to like a, a three vessel system, which you do mm. obviously need a garage for. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, it's, it's when we did it a couple of times there, I enjoyed it. You know, it's, you know, for some, you can be, it's an all day thing, but I actually quite enjoy the process of it, really. It kind of, it taught me a lot about beer just from mm. an in sort of a drinking enjoyment side of it, from doing it from a, a brewing process. And it made me understand beer a bit more. So yeah. I, I do kind of, I did enjoy the, the process and the, the sort of the science because it's quite scientific, I suppose, isn't the, the behind it the is, scenes? It is, yeah. Bit. Um, I mean, when you, when I first started, it was just, doing the basics of it. But, I mean, I'm learning every mm. day from, you know, forums and other, other brews that I speak to, and there's so much like that I don't even know yet, you know what I mean? But I'm learning yeah. every day. And what I've noticed about the homebrew community, it's such a friendly community as well. Mm. Um, with other hobbies, I mean, for example, I, I do a bit of cycling. I find that quite a snobby hop, hobby. People yeah. look down if, you know, if you don't have a good bike as them or whatever. But with mm-hmm. homebrewing, most people start in the same place. They, they start by doing an extract kit. Um, mm. and see it in building from there. So people are quite happy to um, offer constructive f- feedback on, on if they see you, you doing something that they've done wrong in the past, they'll just yeah. try and help you. Um, yeah, there's not yeah. a lot of snobbery in it or anything like that. So it's a really friendly community. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I think that kind of extends, certainly from my experience on Instagram, as much as anything, mm. you know, I think that kind of extends as a, as a, a bigger community, really. You know, I, I can't believe how sort of friendly and generous people have, have been in terms of my Instagram experience. I kind of started this in February, March last year. Right. And and since then, you know, the amount of people that I've met and, and just talked to like this yourself, you know, I never did mm-hmm. I ever think that it would have gone into a podcast and just talking to people about beer that I've not met before yeah. and then meeting people that I've never, you know, for just random people off the internet. I think sort of overall the craft community has just, has just got a great community spirit about it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Mm, for mm. sure and it's good that that extends to, to 
the sort of homebrewers because ultimately it's that's that's where it begins or began for a lot of now commercial breweries, isn't it? That's the yeah, that's the definitely. Point. Everyone started the you know similar circumstances. Most people mm. brewery started in somebody's garage with a home brew kit, and it just snowballed from then. Yeah, so everyone's cool. been in the same position. Mm. And even the, even those people that are you know the brewers that are much bigger now, even even they're continuing to learn. You know, because again, that's the beauty of craft beer that it's a it's an ever changing scene, isn't it? You know, you don't just brew yeah. a beer and that's it. Like a a best bitter, for example. You know, you don't just get a bitter and that's it, and then that's you brew that same beer continuously. It's there's things all yeah, ever evolving, and new, changing. Yeah, there's new beer styles coming, you know, to the market every few months now. Some don't stick, mm. but some. I mean, the majority of them are seeing to stick now. Um, you know, like I remember when the, the, the black IPA came out, a lot of people thought mm. that was just going to be kind of like a fad, but that stuck around. Um, same as the, the New England IPA, but I mean, that's that's becoming like a, a mainstream beer style within the craft community now, I think. Mm. I think that's almost a staple beer now, isn't it? Really, it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I must admit, the um, as much that I don't like my stouts, the black, the black IPA, I do enjoy that, so I'm, I'm glad that it has, um. Yeah, stuck around same. and some people are still co- continuing to to brew that style of beer because i must admit i do like a uh i do like a black ipa so obviously from you saying that it's about a couple of years ago you, you started home brewing then when <laughs> when did you get into drinking craft beer then did you drink craft beer for quite a long time before that then it, it's been about six seven years maybe started mm. really oh first started, i used to just go out and just drink Carlin Foster, Stella, just general commercial lager that was available. Mm. Um, then my local pub where I lived at the time sold Shipyard IPA. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And that, that was the beer for me that got me into proper beer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was just amazed how, how good it tastes and how much time I've wasted drinking absolute rubbish, to be honest. <laughs> and it went from there. <laughs> and then obviously Brewdog came about and became mainstream. Um, and it, just, it was just good that quite quickly there was – Good beer available in most supermarkets. It was like an overnight thing. I noticed. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's the and there's just so much of it around now, isn't it? That's the thing, you know. Mm. In terms of from a for people like myself and others and, and yourself that want the the stuff that you can only get from from breweries or bottle shops, but even to the stuff that, like you say, that's in supermarkets now. The the offering in supermarkets now is incredible to to get people yeah. into this sort of beer, like you say, to for people who want to get into a beers that actually taste of something not just fizzy water you know just, exactly yeah just just drink it to get you hammered you know there's mm. like your brew dog and your shipyard and you know other things that you can start on and then progress your journey from there and i think pretty much mm. the entire journey you could get in tesco or morrison's now you know starting from the exactly the yeah. ipas to your sours stouts etc there's pretty much the whole range in there now isn't there yeah there is i mean every time i, I go to tesco whether it just be for general how you know household goods I'm always going to buy a couple of cans of beer. Then I yeah. always pop and have a look at the craft section. I mean, it's just it, a few years ago, if you'd said you could go into Tesco and buy a double dry hop, double IPA, for, mm. you know, for £3, it, it, it is good that you can do that now. Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and mm. just the, like you say, I think I think you picked up, did I say you picked up some Cannonball today as well? Yeah, I did. I've right? got that in the fridge, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, to get that in Tall Boys now as well. And again, that's is that three quid as well? I think it's three, three quid, yeah. Yeah, that's that's just ridiculous value, isn't it? You know, for it the, is, yeah. Strength that because that is that about seven or eight percent. That's that's quite strong as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's a strong one. I think yeah, mm. seven point two. I might be wrong, something like that. Mm. 
so yeah, to to get that in supermarkets at three quid is an absolute bargain, which I know it divides mm-hmm. opinion, but for me to yeah. get in, getting people into beer, it's that's that's where I started ultimately. You know, that's that's where right. I started with with Brewdog and through supermarkets and then bottle shops and things from from guidance from my brother and my dad and then mm-hmm. progress from there. But it's it's just great that that you know that there's that availability across the across the scene and there's something for everybody, which is the which is the main thing. Yeah, definitely. Mm. But everyone seems to start at that sort of ballpark, like you say, something like that, like Brewdog or Shipyard or, you know, maybe Magic Rock or Thornbridge. They kind of all start mm-hmm. in that sort of area and then it just seems to escalate from there, doesn't it? It does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so from, from – because you're a bit further further north than, than what I am, then up in sort of Middlesbrough mm-hmm. side area. What's the – I know they obviously that Newcastle's got a bit of a, a craft beer scene going on then. Is it the same into sort of Middlesbrough side then or is it a little bit – uh, yeah, it's, it's solid. In, in Middlesbrough Town Centre, you've got um, a, a row of houses. It was called Baker Street. Um, it used mm-hmm. to be our, ter- our terraced houses. And it was for, it was a like dentist, um, hairdressers, things like that. But that's, um, a few years ago, there was a pub open called Twistedly. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just full of craft beer in a, a kind of two up, two down old terraced house, which was nobody had ever seen before in our area. Mm-hmm. And now on that street, I think there's about six or seven of the same kind of pubs. All right. selling craft beer, like mainstream craft beer and locally produced as well, um, right. which is good. Um, and it was also, it got cancelled, it was due in March, uh, Teesside Brewfest at Middlesbrough Town Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately that got cancelled, obviously, with due to the coronavirus. So I think mm-hmm. when that gets rescheduled, I'll be, I'll be going there, definitely. Um, yeah. But yeah, and there's also in Stockton as well, there's the there's quite a few micro pubs in there, Um one called the Golden Smog. I've, I've been speaking to the owner of that actually regarding setting up a Teesside Homebrew Club. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully sooner rather than later, as soon as the pubs are allowed to open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good though, and it's it's you know that'll serve no end in terms of you know putting back into people wanting to get into homebrew. Well, then that'll just mm. feed back into the pubs and and bars and things, won't it? You know, because as soon as people start brewing it, they'll want to drink it, and it'll just it's just a it's just a perpetual cycle in it that it's just going to serve yeah, benefit for the local area. But it's good that you've got that, you know, that row of pubs or bars that are just serving good beer. And it's somewhere yeah. that I haven't been, admittedly, Newcastle and Teesside. It's one of the places that I want to come up to to, mm-hmm. to sort of explore and and sort of try the try the pubs and bars that are around. And obviously, when we can when we can have a drink and meet up, that sort of thing, meet up with people like yourself and, and go for a few drinks. Yeah, definitely. Whatnot, so. mm-hmm. but, uh, but I know that Newcastle was a hot spot, so it's good to see that you've got kind of the your fair share of good beer in your, your local oh, yeah. area as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah times have changed now it's not just bars filling selling gallons of carlin and fosters and you know everything like that but it's mm. got some good beer in the town now which is good yeah and, it, and it's good that you could and more you say like the commercial beers but also showcasing local beers as well that's 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 what i yeah. find great as well you know because mm-hmm. people like yourself that might be able to brew something on a, a larger scale that maybe can get you know, a keg or something out there eventually, you know, it'd be good to see that in a, in a bar or a pub, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be, that'd be amazing. Mm. That, that, I imagine that's, that's, the kind of your, that's the goal or your dream, isn't it, when yeah. you start brewing, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, seeing, it must be great seeing you, seeing your, your beers and your bottles and eventually sort of kegs and what have you out there. No, it's, uh, oh, that, yeah. that's the, that's the dream. That's the dream. But cool. Right. Well, um, we'll end the uh, the introduction there then. We'll jump into yep. a, a couple of questions which I sent over to you before we recorded. We'll jump into them and then we'll yep. uh, we'll move on from there. Yep. No problem.
Right, so welcome back from a short break. We'll uh, we'll jump on to another couple of questions and we'll uh, we'll we'll crack on from there. So obviously you filled in a little bit there, James, in terms of where it where it began. Um, mm-hmm. Your recipes and things then, in terms of your main source of inspiration, are they your ideas for your recipes? Are they kind of born of your own ideas then, or do you find tend that you draw inspiration from other people's in the in the homebrew scene, or is it a bit of a mix yeah. of both? Or a bit a mix of both, to be honest. If I, if I drink the beer that I like um, commercially, um, on most commercial cans, it does say the hops that are used in them, mm-hmm. and, you know, so I can kind of emulate what beer I've drank there. Um, or just speaking to other homebrews within the community, going back to how friendly it is. Most people, when they put the photos of a brew day up on the, the forum, they'll put the recipe up as well for the people mm. to try. Um, so you can kind of mix and match stuff as well, uh, which is great. But it's I use... Um, a website called Brewers Friend, and it's got a recipe mm-hmm. builder on there. Um, you input all your, in, your ingredients, your hop additions and timings, and it tells you yeah, what your predicted ABV is going to be and also your IBU, International Bittering Units. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get you just – once you know the general I, uh, general style of beer you want, I put everything on there, um, and it gives me a breakdown of how it should finish up. Yeah, cool. And I mm-hmm. think that's the that's that's the beauty of it, really, like you say, is, is – I suppose part of it that, like you say, that that sort of um, that recipe builder predicts what it's going to be, but obviously it can change because obviously of the ingredients yeah. it using. But you know, like you say, somebody might say, "Well, this works," and you might tweak it a little bit and do a little bit different, and then hop it at a different time or a different mm-hmm. sort of you know level and amounts and things. So it's 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 infinite, really. I suppose, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You, you can. I mean, you can make any beer you want on your home setup. To be honest, there's no limitations. Um, and like I say, there's that many recipes going about that people brew themselves. It's just, it is that easy. It really is easy to make your own beer once you've got an idea of what you need to what you need to do in the brew at certain times with your hop additions and how much yeah, the world's your oyster. Then, so as you were saying there, you can you can pretty much brew whatever recipe that you want. Then, in terms of or any style of beer that you want, then is there any particular styles that? you haven't done that you want to do or yeah you, you want um, to do I, I want to brew my first new england ipa uh, i'm going to do it next month next time I'm home from work um i mean it's a trick you want to brew because it's all about your water chemistry mm-hmm. um now my i've contacted northumbrian water and my water profile is is not right for a neighbor whatsoever <laughs> um it just wouldn't work i need to change massive amounts of chemistry in it but the, yeah. the best way to do it is people have the, in the home brewing community, every, when people brew in Napa, they use Tesco Aspect water and they just add some gypsum and Epsom salts to it and they, your water's good to go then. You, you can brew a perfect mm. Napa. Um, but using your own water supply, it, it's very tricky, to mm. be honest, because obviously your water can be completely different to someone's water 40 minutes up the road, uh, yeah. which can affect your beer um, a lot. Yeah. Well, it, it's amazing that, that it's, you know, it's not something that I don't think is appreciated as much or considered as much that the water profile across the country does change massively you know in terms of oh, yeah. if it's hard or soft and obviously the chlorine content and you know the the way that that can affect you know beer is is, is phenomenal and ridiculous isn't it from north to south oh yeah mm-hmm. definitely i mean my, my water is slightly hard um mm. as i said um but for, and for a nipa that's that's no good whatsoever so yeah 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 no you're wanting something a bit softer aren't you so for, oh, for the, yeah yeah, and I think that's something that you know, because America, I know Americans do a lot, many different funky things to to their water in terms of to what mm-hmm. to what we do. 
and I think they're as shocked sometimes as as what we are, I suppose, in terms of how the water can vary across the country, as opposed to just having a kind of a, a universal water supply. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's. But again, you've you've got so many different methods of treating the water and doing different things to it, haven't you? To to balance no, yeah. that before you even get into the to the you know yeah, the, I mean, the hops and the flavour. A lot of home brewers have a reverse osmosis machine connected mm. to the water supply um, and do it that way. Um, yeah. And also do water treatment as well by adding, you know, gypsum and Epsom salt as well to the chip. Some people, when they brew it, they'll change the water chemistry to suit it, that type of beer that they're brewing. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. My, my, myself, I just I brew it standard water. Um, but if it's a style of beer that I'm brewing, like for example a Nipah, that I wouldn't need to change. Then obviously I'd have to look at changing it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. You need to you, you're going to try and accommodate, obviously, don't you, for the for yeah, the style yeah. to make sure that you you bring in you know you bring in the best version of the beer out that you possibly can. But again, like you say, there's there's so many people out there that sharing tips and tricks and things that you you're probably going to be able to nail it down, aren't you? So. Oh, and that's that was saying what everyone uses for a nipo. Not everyone, but most people in the home brewing community use Tesco bottled water because mm. it just it's just so easy to use that and just add some. Gypsum and Epsom salt, and that's it. So you just find your, your garage just stocked up with like tons and tons of bottles of bottled Tesco water just to chuck yeah. it. <laughs> Which I suppose has its drawbacks, really, because again, you don't you can add water into. It, but obviously, you, you you sort of your malt and your, your your grain. Obviously, that can absorb more water than you're expecting, can't you? So I suppose that has its it can do, downsides, yeah. doesn't it? Mm. So you need to have more than you you anticipate and you're going to use if you're mm. going down the bottled water route. Yeah. Um, because I mean, when you, I'm trying to increase the ABV on the 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 brew be of drinking now. Mm-hmm. The next time I brew, I'm going to use 500 grams more of grain, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have to use obviously more water because mm-hmm. obviously that that 500 grams it might it's not a lot, but it is going to absorb some of the water used. Yeah. So you've got you've got to look at that when you're trying to brew a high ABV beer. Yeah, 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 exactly. And mm-hmm. and when you when you're trying to get the yield out of it, obviously you're trying to eke every last drop out of it that you possibly yeah. can out you so it like you say it doesn't sound a lot but then 500 grams if they take you know even 500 milliliters of water out that's that's a bottle down that you were yeah that you're expecting that's again a, that, that's a bottle you. that i would rather yeah. be drinking well <laughs> yeah exactly and then obviously overall it affects you, you sort of your, your strength as well doesn't it at the end so it's, oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah but again it's all that sort of science and and maths and sort of calculation that people just think i oh, just chuck it in and forget about it and it's like it's, it's it's not that simple is it really no no there's a lot to it that you need to take on board yeah but at um, least a lot i'm still learning about to be honest mm. yeah yeah no that's it and i think that's the good thing about it is that it is a never-ending cycle you know just from my basic and limited knowledge of it from doing it with with our andy but then obviously spending that day with mark brewing our beer in terms of when he spoke mm-hmm. about it and showed me his recipe builder which I, I don't know if it's the same website that you use but it's same um, again you kind of just plug it you know plug your ingredients in yeah. what hops you use in what style you want and it just builds your recipe and then you kind of you know it's almost coloring by numbers in a way i suppose but it is um, yeah <laughs> but do you know again more, much more to it than i i thought there ever would be you know because i the same i've you know, growing up with my granddad when he was still around, you know, back in the day when he'd have his home brew just in a in a plastic bucket that was sat with a jacket on and trying to keep it warm, <laughs> you know, in a corner somewhere. It's well, that's what a lot of people when you when you say you brew your own beer, that's that's what they assume. You know <laughs> what I mean? And they're quite surprised when you you show them pictures of home brew beer or, or send them something to drink and they're mm. actually surprised how good it actually is. Yeah. No, so, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. So how big how big actually is your kit then? 
Um, I can brew up to, I could brew up to 30 litres, but a standard brew that I do is 23 litres. Okay. Uh, just because that's the, I've only got plastic fermenting buckets at the moment, mm. and they're 23 litre capacity because you need a bit of headspace for the CO2. Mm. Um, but my actual equipment, I've got um, a 10 gallon SS Brewtech kettle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can hold up to 35 litres, but obviously I lose about five litres of that in the boil. So I, I could yeah. brew 30 litres if I wanted to, but mm-hmm. um, I just need to upgrade my fermenting equipment to be able to do that. Yeah. But that's another another thing on the on the yeah, list that I need to buy. Yeah, yeah. No, the never-ending shopping list. Yeah, no, no. That, and I suppose that's kind of the addictive nature of it, really. I suppose there's always something yeah. bigger and better that you can that you can have or that allow you to brew more, but... I suppose from from your perspective of it is that it's great that you want to brew more, but I suppose you don't really want to start getting into that territory until that if you're looking at starting to to sell it, you don't really want to want to commit to really. I suppose, do you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, ideally, I want to have everything set up so that when I do decide to go commercial, I can mm. just do it with the equipment I've got. Yeah. Uh, rather than having to set up and then shell out, I've got a big bank loan to get a full mm. microbrewery equipment. I'd rather start small and brew as much as I could so I'm bursting at the seams with the equipment I've got <laughs> yeah. and then look at upgrading. Mm. Yeah, I suppose it's a better situation to be in, isn't it, than starting afresh almost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So with that in mind then, the other the other point that I had, because I know we um we had to schedule this this record around obviously you you working away then. Your mm-hmm. brewing, do you kind of brew around your work schedule that you sort of allow that to do its thing and ferment whilst you're away then, or just kind of just do it as yeah, and it, it, it kind of works well for me. I work two weeks offshore, two weeks at home, mm-hmm. um, which works well for brewing. What I normally do, I my first week at home, I do a brew mm-hmm. um, within the first couple of days, and it's got kind of nine, ten days to ferment then. Um, and what I do, I, I my brew is a bottle conditioned at the moment until I get CO2 equipment. Mm-hmm. So I bottle it on my last day at home and I put them in my fermentation fridge, which has got an inkbird thermostat mm-hmm. and it's got a heat tube in the fridge. So it just alternates between the heat and the fridge just mm-hmm. to keep the temperature right. Yeah. So I have the bottles in the fridge and by the time I get home in two weeks, they the condition nicely. So it times perfectly for me getting home and I've always got close to 40 bottles of beer ready to drink or send out. So. Yeah. What more could you possibly want, eh? I know. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> say, yeah, yeah. So I must admit, that's the thing that when uh, when we brewed ours is that you then have to sit and wait for it, don't you? But I suppose if you're not at home watching it or constantly that's checking it, yeah. on it and watching kind of bubbles go at the top, then it's like, I suppose when it out of sight, out of mind. And obviously, like you say, you can monitor the temperature remotely, but beyond that, you're not tempted to go look at it or always constantly watching it are you mm. i mean i've in the past when i've been home for a few weeks before when work was quiet i've drank beer that was nowhere near drinkable it was nowhere near ready but i just didn't have the the patience or i wasn't i was too close to it to leave it alone mm. um but that's the beauty of it i mean i've got a, a wi-fi controller so i can check the temperature of the brewing fridge i can change it while i'm away mm. um which is brilliant i mean it works really well yeah no, it's it's almost like the, the the perfect get up, I suppose, isn't it? Really. So, but yeah, it's like mm-hmm. I say, to, then you find yourself drinking stuff that's not ready. I suppose it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, defeats the purpose of it. Yeah, it? yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So if if you've done that, then have you have you had any that you've maybe drank or tried part way through that you then tried to change or alter midway through, or do you just still leave it and let it do its thing? Um. What I've I've when I ferment it, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't drink any of it. I just leave it to ferment. Mm-hmm. Um, but once it's put in the bottles, there's nothing you can really change. Yeah. 
Um, so it's just I've, I've had some beer before. I've tasted it, and I wasn't happy with it. It's it, sometimes some beer can, if it's not ready, it can taste almost like a cider. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've thrown stuff away before, but I've I've learned just to be patient and put that aside. That other brewers have told me they've had the same problems, mm. and they've just put it aside and left it for six months, and it's turned out all right then. Yeah. So if it does happen in the future, I will just buy more bottles and just put that batch aside for mm. six months, uh, whatever, and see how we are then. Yeah, yeah. And again, I suppose that's the the nature of it, really, is that for all the the science and the calculations that you can do to kind of get the result that you want, that it mm-hmm. might it might take longer than you want it to do because, again, because of live ingredients, it might just take slightly longer, might it? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, I'm looking at brewing a lager as, uh, beer as well, mm-hmm. and they, they take quite a long time to condition. You know, you're talking six weeks instead of two mm-hmm. weeks then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it obviously needs a lot of patience for that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the, I think it's a, a quite a tricky thing to nail as well. You know, in terms of you know, I know a lot of craft brewers have started doing a lager or a pilsner, but mm. like you say, you need the capacity to a leave it for that long, but b also to to get it right, I suppose as well, because you know, yeah. it, again, it's it ferments at a lower temperature and things. I think as well, doesn't it? So again, it's kind yeah, of most lagers that. ferment. Ferment around, I think, 14 degrees, whereas most ales are like between 18 and 22 degrees. Mm. So you, you you can't just brew that in your house and leave it on, on in your spare bedroom. You need like a fermentation chamber, like a mm. fridge that I've got, because you need to be able to control the temperature mm. um, to, to achieve 14 degrees constantly. Yeah. No, I'd be interested to see mm-hmm. how that how that turns out. Then, if you if you're looking at doing that and how it, yeah, so I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of flags and pills myself, but when you know when people do it and people sort of pour over it and you know you know praise it, you mm-hmm. know, I think that's quite a, a compliment, really, because it's yeah. quite a difficult thing to master. I think it is. I mean, the reason I want to try it, quite a few of my friends still just drink commercial lager; they're not really interested in IPR craft. Yeah, so I'm thinking if I can brew a lager that's still got a bit like some hop aroma to it. I can mm-hmm. kind of wean them into the craft scene a bit more and get them drinking real beer. So yeah. that's that's the idea of it. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And I think it mm-hmm. was um, Left-Handed Giant that did like a West Coast Pills recently, I think. That's the first time I think I've seen yeah, somebody try, see and, yeah. try and sort of steer mm-hmm. a lager or a Pilsner towards more a, a, a hoppy sort of beer. Hoppy. But, yeah. yeah. But like you say, for those people that are used to just drinking your, your macro stuff or your you mass produce stuff, it, it would be a natural sort of progression onwards from, oh, that's something a little bit different, and then progress them on from there to, to more yeah. flavors, flavorful stuff, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? That's what I'm hoping will happen. <laughs> mm. Hopefully. Yeah, that would be the that'll mm-hmm. be the dream. You could have like, um, almost if you brewed it yourself, like a, a flight board or an education that, well, you start here and then go from there and eventually sort yeah, of wean, wean them onto craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but it's it's good that there's that level of sort of that entry level of, of variance and variety. And again, it's just that infinite sort of possibility, really, of, of mm-hmm, recipes definitely. and styles and, you know, sort of challenging the norm of what people expect a lager or a Pilsner or an IPA to be. And if you can, you know, change people's minds and perception of what it can be, then it's, you know, for me, it's only a good thing because... Oh, yeah, Definitely. You know, that's mm. that's I mean, what... even you've got like the, the the big breweries like Brewdog do the lost lager, mm-hmm. so it's not a beer style that craft breweries aren't touching. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? A lot of them are, are brewing a lager now, mm-hmm. um, which is good. I mean, I do like a lager, but I just don't like all the commercial stuff. You know, your yeah. Carl and your Foster's Carlsberg, because that's all I used to drink. I didn't before craft beer was about because that's all there was. Mm. But the hangover you get off that the next day is horrific. Whereas with <laughs> 
if you're drinking craft beer, I, I don't really get hangover next day. I might feel mm. a bit groggy for an hour or two when I wake up, but I'm I'm generally fine after that. Yeah, yeah, that's different, mm. different, different ingredients and different different beer yeah. styles, isn't it? So, but no, mm-hmm. I, I, I say that I'm not into it. It's not that I don't like it as such, but like I say, it's probably because I've not had a a good one necessarily. You know, or do you know, like a yeah. you know like a proper craft one? And I just recently mm. got sent some. Um, some from Utopian, which I I won recently, and there's a couple of theirs in there. There's the I got their pills, and the unfiltered pills, and their Mybok as well, which is more oh, like right. um, you know, the dark lagers. So I'm I'm interested mm-hmm. to see what what they're like because I have been wanting. I, I do regularly try them, you know, to see mm-hmm. if it's something that changes my mind of of what what a lager can be and is. And I I didn't get the West Coast pills from from Left Hander Giant, but sort of West Coast IPA is more sort of my steer. So I imagine that if it's a, right. a blend between the two, that it probably will have been something yeah. that I enjoyed. But I'm hoping that these ones that I've got from Utopian do kind of turn me on to a little bit more and accept mm-hmm. them and say that if I see one out, then I'm more inclined to try it than just outright shun them and yeah. ignore them. I mean, it, one of my favourite lager is Orangi Boom. Um, it's a Dutch lager and it is kind of a commercial lager. Mm-hmm. Um but you don't you don't see it in like the Weatherspoons or any pubs like that. But uh, certain pubs do it in um, news agents, and that is a really nice lager. It's quite sweet tasting. Mm. Um, it's, it's strong too. I think it's it's around six percent, which is a lot for a lager. Most lagers are around between four and five percent. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, through drinking craft, I'm quite uh, I'm wanting a high ABVs now. When most crafts are anything under six, is generally considered as a session IPA now. <laughs> yeah. Or you just you just think, oh, is that it? You want a bit more from yeah. it, but I, th- I think <laughs> it just I've, feels weak, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think I've mentioned this on the last, like last three or four podcasts now. Is that I think you kind of chase the high percentage JBVs now, whereas you see something like you know, not no disrespect to yours, but like you see, you see the five point three percent, you think that's about average mm-hmm. now. Whereas before, yeah, you think yeah, that, that, yeah. that's that's quite strong. That, that whereas now you think you want to get into your strong territory when you're in the sort of seven seven or eight percent ballpark, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's weird how you get accustomed to it and your, your perceptions change. You really, just get isn't a taste it? for a higher ABV, don't you, all mm. the time? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'd, I'd see something like like this that yours. I'd see that as about five point three percent. That's about a session beer that now. It's like yeah, whereas yeah. before, it's <laughs> people think, oh, that's a bit export strength. I was a bit high that, and it's like, no, it's fine. That's nice. Yeah. Mm. Steady, <laughs> steady. But yeah, it's it's ever changing like you say we might go back to the point where that's considered high or but i, I don't think we will yeah because i, I, I think, don't think we will now no. i just think it's going to go higher and higher and higher and God, can you know, imagine if it was like, I know. <laughs> when you get like a triple ip that's actually a triple at like 16 percent or something it'll, i know <laughs> like rocket fuel or something it'd be incredible wouldn't it so yeah 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 i don't think uh you'd I don't think I'd be feeling very well the day after that, to be honest. But no, there you go. no. <laughs> but yeah, cool. Right. Well, uh, we'll take a short pause there. We'll uh, yeah. we'll come back to the other couple of questions that we uh, we had lined up, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up from there. Yep. Right. So, welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the the last part of the podcast. A couple more questions to to speak about with James, and we'll uh, we'll wrap up from there. Which I've just before we started again, James. I've just finished your um, your beer that you sent over the social distant IPA, and I must uh, mm-hmm. again not not to be polite, just because you just because you're here. I, I really enjoyed <laughs> that, and the, oh. um, the the second one will be going in the fridge, and I'll uh, I'll definitely be drinking that over the weekend. But yeah, I'll. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to to hopefully uh, one day seeing your beers out there in the wild and being able to. Hopefully, uh, hope. yeah, that is the dream. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we kind of touched on it that you um this what you said earlier then that you said that you can you can brew more styles on on the kit that 
that you have, or once you once you home brewing, you can brew more styles. And have you yeah pretty much covered most styles or most styles? Uh, that you to want? be honest, no. I mean, I only started doing all grain brewing in January this year. Um, right, okay. So my, my setup and my garage is only start six month old. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of I've just gone full steam ahead with it. <laughs> um, when I went all green, I started doing recipe clone kits. So you'll get k- kits out there which might like a clone of like shipyard IPA or mm. punk IPA or you know things like that. So start. I done a few, did a few clone recipe kits first just to get used to the process of all green brewing. Mm. Um, and then I just did like I said, did, did a smash beer, um, single malt, single hop, um, and went from there. I've done a couple of, I've done a, I brewed the black IPA because I've brewed a few pre-mixed recipe kits. Yeah. Um, which you don't you don't get no ingredients. It just there's a company called Stove Toppers, which are they, that was when I was brewing in the kitchen and on pots and pans, and um, I brewed the black IPA, which was lovely. Um, and that is a, a style that I wanted to brew again myself. But again, that's quite similar to a Nipah. It is quite easy to mess it up from what I've read. Mm. Um, but it's definitely what I'm wanting to give a try in the, the near future. But I've got so many beers and not enough time to brew it at the minute because <laughs> I've only got the capacity to really brew one possibly two beers every t- every two weeks at home um mm. but when i've got about 15 beers that i want to brew it's uh, not enough time to do it unfortunately yeah. no and i suppose if if you weren't working at the moment then obviously you'd, you'd probably have a bit more time but i suppose when you are still working that's that's the 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 main factor of taking your time up isn't it that you're if you're having to work in your way from home more than anything that that's and obviously you know, won't take in taking into consideration that apart from just the, the space and the storage of it more than anything, I suppose it's the time to do it as well, I suppose, isn't it? But it is, yeah. Uh, but yeah, mm. it's um so I mean, do you how how easy is it then risk sounding asking a silly question then? How easy mm. is it to get hold of sort of your brown bottles that you sent in then? Is it is it quite easy to get hold of a decent number Fairly then? easy. Um mm. I mean I've got a local home brew shop in Middlesbrough called Allen's Home Brew Shop. Um I buy from there when I can. Uh, they mainly sell extract brewing equipment mm-hmm. but things like bottles, bottle caps, thermometers, hydrometers to test your ABV. I buy, I buy all from there because I can. Um, I get my bottles from there, but everything else I get from online, like my grains and stuff. But those mm-hmm. bottles I can, I, I mean, I, I bought some this morning actually. So they, it, it's about a five minute drive from my house too. So it's really easy to get hold of. But I'm, this is another thing on the shopping list. I'm actually looking at the possibility of getting a can seaming machine. Um, okay. Just because when I bottle a brew, I get between kind of 36 to 40 bottles from each batch because mm-hmm. um, I've got 500 mil bottles. But if I get a can seam machine, I could get 330 mil cans mm. and I'd, I'd get about 50 then. And it just means yeah. I can give more out to more people then, you see. Mm. Plus, yeah, you don't yeah. want, I mean, the cans are the less than, I mean, they're more than half the price of bottles. So, yeah. you, and, and obviously, you don't have to worry about breakages. Um, anything like that so I'm just weighing up the options at the moment but I think that's the way I'm headed yeah no for sure and when, when you sent them over and they were in the 500ml bottles I was surprised because you don't see them that often really do you apart from your your bigger scale brewers that sometimes put yeah. them in there but you usually expect mm-hmm. your 330ml bottles to match your, your 330ml cans don't you most of the yeah, time yeah you do yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But no I mean that, that's, most home brew shops they sell 500ml bottles as standard to be honest mm. that's the standard size so I've tried using PET bottles, the plastic bottles. Yeah. Um, they're handy because you can tell when it's carbonated because you can just squeeze it and see how tight it is um, to see if your carbonation level. But the, the seal goes after you've used them a few times and right. the gas escapes. And if you, the, the beer can leak if it's moving around in a bag or whatever. 
Mm. Um, so I, I've just stuck with glass in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's quite surprising, really, to to obviously inevitably cans are cheaper than bottles, but in terms of obviously your, your big brewing equipment aside, that kind of how cost efficient or entry level some stuff can be, really. You know, you say to say mm. like you, like. You know, obviously, somebody that's not brewing on a on a commercial scale, but looking at getting a can seamer. You know, I think that really says that how yeah. sort of ent- entry I mean, level you've... some of the stuff can be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a quite a fairly big outlay. I mean, there's mm. three can seamer machines available at home brewers on most home brew websites. There's the mm. October machine, which is I think it's about eleven hundred quid. Mm. There's one above that, which is about fifteen hundred. But the one I'm looking at is called the Canyon machine. Right. You can get that for four hundred and fifty pounds. Um, mm. Which is affordable, you know, and it's it's a big, it's a fairly big outlay, but you save money in the long run because the cans you can bulk buy three hundred and thirty mil cans for about fifteen pence each, mm. whereas the the five hundred mil bottles are sixty five pence a piece. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't sound a lot when you're talking pennies, but when you you're brewing forty well, yeah. bottles a month, you know, it, it does add up. Mm. I know, like you say, over the course of a year, it, you know, you, you kind of get that saving and that money back almost, don't you? Really? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, plus you, with home brew, obviously. Um, sunlight can damage your beer. Yeah. Um, so with the can, you, if you get cans, you, you, you're getting rid of that problem straight away as well. So mm. the positives do outweigh the, the cost for me at the moment. Yeah. Looking at cans. yeah, for sure. And, and like you say, they're easy to shape. You don't have to worry about any breakages or, you know, you don't exactly. have to worry about a breakage mm-hmm. as much as in, in a can that you do as a bottle. But and, and truth be told, most of the craft scene are going for cans as opposed to bottles anyway, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. You go in any any uh, can or bottle shop, it's mostly cans, to be honest. Same as any mm. supermarket. The craft section isn't even, I think it's more 90% cans, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Well, that's it. You know, you, you call them your local bottle shop, but it's not even a bottle shop, really. It's, it's, no, just, it's, it's a can, can shop. shop isn't it? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's just a, a term that'll, that'll stick forever, really. But it's, it's nice yeah. to see some stuff still in bottles, really, you know, because it's. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, it's it's more of an occasion, I think, a bottle, isn't it? Really, you know, you 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 kind of feel like it's more of an occasion when you've got something in a bottle. I think. Yeah, plus I mean, Christmas and birthdays for people. I always give them a few bottles of my brew. Um, mm. I just think it's a bit better giving it in a glass bottle rather than giving it a can in that instance. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a better present then. Yeah. And if you're just giving someone four tinnies of beer, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got a bit of a stigma attached to it, hasn't it? Really, it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's funny because James. Um, Yorkshire Craft Beers down the road from me, one of my local bottle shops. So mm. He says the same is that when he does his gift packs for like Father's Day and you know Christmas that sort of yeah. thing, it's a he always tries to put bottles in because it looks better giving somebody a pack of six bottles as opposed to a pack of six cans. Because like you say, it's just that. Yeah, yeah. You give somebody like a six cans is something you just you buy for the train. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah exactly. Yeah, it's just something a bit, but it's somewhat almost special, like you say. And like you say, if you do it yeah. like for you, if you do it for a birthday or something like a something of significance, and it kind of plays up to that event doesn't it really so it's yeah definitely no for sure but no it's good to to hear that and obviously like even mm. for like you say someone in your scale that you're considering considering doing that so i think the the inevitable question from there then from james is that obviously where obviously where do you see it going but obviously where's the kind of the immediate in terms of what what's next really for, for you and for right. brewing um, I mean, at the moment, it's just a well. Say, if start as a hobby, it's an obsession now. Um, <laughs> but it's just getting bigger and bigger. But I do want to go commercial with it. But what I'm not in a position where I can just quit my day job and do it full time straight away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the idea was when me and my girlfriend move house, we, I want to get a garage, a double garage detached from the house. 
mm-hmm. um, get one, get it bricked off in between. Have one as a garage and one get the get the floor dry sealed with a good drainage in there, mm-hmm. and have that as an actual brewery. Because um, mm-hmm. quite a few people now started out as home brewers and they got their garage approved to produce and sell alcohol from. Mm-hmm. So they've actually got a full microbrewery in their house in the garage, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't possible before. I mean, years ago you'd have to spend fifty grand as a minimum to set up a microbrewery, whereas now you know you can. There's a guy speaks for another farm. He's, I think he spent three and a half thousand pounds, and his garage was approved by the environmental health and everything. And they, it, it just makes beer from his house now part time. Wow. So I think what you were saying there, James, is obviously is that people can get a, a brewery approved and kind of jump in and have a, a brewery and approved, like you say, from from a, a sort of a legality, I suppose, really in terms of you know approved by sort of you know the council and things are a lot yeah. easier now than what they, they could do beforehand. And, and Johnny and Pi, Johnny at pipeline in Cornwall, I think he has a sort of a double or a triple garage that right. is on his, his house. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but, but he brews out of there and that's what he brews from. And obviously he's, he's commercial as, as many people know, but, but like mm-hmm. you say, it's kind of challenges what people used to have in terms of people used to have a whole building and almost a fully functional brewery before they could even get into brewing now, whereas it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot more accessible now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like you say, I think I think with the advancements in technology and like you say, with the, the all-in-one kits and, and things that people can start on and then obviously progress from there and the accessibility of it more than anything is, is, is helping. But but yeah, the fact that you can almost have a, a commercial brewery and selling beer out of your garage, is, it's, it's, a, it's a pipe dream for sure, isn't it? Oh, really? definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, mm. it's, it's something we... Um, if we had a house with a garage, it's one thing that we did potentially look at getting. So we bought a new build house and right. we were looking at getting one with a garage. And the, the price of the housing was about an extra 30 or 40 grand for a garage. And I'm like, was I'm it? not doing it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. In some ways, I wish I did now, but I'm, you know, it's that, it was that extra money. It's at the start of it. I was thinking, nah, I'm not having a garage. But in some ways, I wish I, uh, mm. I wish I did. Because certainly on the weekend now, certainly with this, uh, with this lockdown going on, it, it, uh, it certainly gave me something to do on a weekend for sure. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and it's you know, and given that I just I like drinking beer and talking about beer, what's um, what could be better than uh, than brewing your, beer, your house? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I say, it's just the it's the it's the patience and the uh, and the time, I suppose, that I uh, that I'd uh, that I'd do me that if I was sat watching it and seeing it, that I'd be I'd just be always constantly mithering it and wanting it to wanting it to be done. So <laughs> yeah. But no, it'd be it'd be good to see if you can um, if you can make a ex- success of it, mate. Because it's um, oh, you know, thank it's you. I hope I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, I've always I've always knew as soon as I started brewing that I would love to make a living from it. It's something I'm really passionate mm. about, and if you can make money from that, you're onto a winner. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's to be honest, the, the... It, even if I was doing it part time, it wouldn't so much be about making money. It would just be about the love of making beer and getting my beer out there in the you know can mm-hmm. shops and breweries and yeah. stuff like that and pubs. yeah 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 exactly and that's it it's just having you having something that you've made always so it's kind of like art i suppose in a way isn't it you know having something mm. that you've put out there and something to put your name to that you know people are drinking and enjoying and seeing people enjoy it as well you know it's that that's the that's a dream and like you say to get a job or, or to have a a vocation really you know something yeah. that pays you uh, even if it's a part-time wage, something that you enjoy doing and you really have a passion for, that's that's what everyone wants to do in life, I suppose, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah, exactly that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you can't, you can't always 
end up doing that, unfortunately. But I suppose if you if you can make a good crack of of brewing beer and making a making a good brew that people are enjoying, then I suppose that's the that's half the battle, I suppose, really, isn't it? So yeah, it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. and that, I, I mean, that, that is what I want to do, but I just need mm. baby steps at first. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. You got to kind of build it up, I suppose, haven't you? But like mm-hmm. you say, when you're in a, if you've got a good scene in and around where you are that you clearly do and and hopefully with this this homebrew club that you've got going you know yeah. you can mm-hmm. build that then that'll that'll only that help no end won't it in terms of getting your name oh, out there and other people's names I mean, and... that's only started kind of within the last week um i'm on a, a facebook group called uh home northeast homebrew club but most of the members are from kind of newcastle and sunderland which is about 30 miles north of middlesbrough um, but got mm-hmm. to speaking to a couple of other people from Teesside on there um, who were really up for getting a Teesside homebrew club going. So I, I, I just messaged the Golden Smog, a micro pub in Stockton on Instagram. And he, he's more keen than I am to get this club started, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He said, quite happy for it. Um, it's like a monthly meet-up. Everyone goes to his pub, brings about six or eight bottles of their own beer to share out, offer feedback. Um, and that sort of thing and obviously from going on from that we could have like competitions and things like that and hopefully it can grow from there but we're hoping to get the ball rolling as soon as possible so as soon as the lockdown's over um, John who owns the Golden Smoggy wants to have the home brew club going straight away so we're hoping just we'll get as many people involved as we can yeah no for sure we good reason you know it's if, mm. if you're going to go and meet there then inevitably people are going to get the odd beer or two whilst they're there aren't they so it, you know it's, it's yeah, in, his, in, in their interest because it's going to be a hard enough sell to get people to come back as it is really isn't it with obviously yeah. social distancing and people being a bit trepidant to you know go and socialize and mix with other people as well yeah i mean there's no word of when pubs are going to be open yet so just kind of have to wait for that i suppose yeah, well, that's it, and you know, for for micro pubs and and normal sized pubs, you know, let alone apart from the sort of the the big companies like Weatherspoons and things, they'll be more geared up to it. But the smaller ones will be, you know, they'll have a a decent challenge on the hands, won't they, in terms of trying yeah, to get definitely. back open again and how they're going to manage that. Mm-hmm. Like you say, because if you get twenty people turn up that are interested in doing a a homebrew meetup, you know, if we're still having to maintain social distancing when they come up, you know, you've got to have 20 people two metres apart. It's going to be exactly easier than some, isn't that's it? That's a micro-pub filled up there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. And, you know, you'll have to have like a, a marquee outside or something, you know, to, yeah. <laughs> to all sit outside in beer garden or something. But again, mm. you know, some places don't have outdoor spaces, do they? So it's mm. it's it's one of them things. So, but no, it'll be, it'll be great to see if you can... Um, if you can make success of it, mate, and certainly I'll be yeah. um, I'll be keeping up to date with what you've got, and you know when you when you've next brewed your next beers and things, mate. I'm certainly happy to to get some sent over and happy to, yeah, to sub you for, for for whatever if you want to, any money for coverage. For no, I don't want any money. Don't be daffy. Just uh, I, I enjoy getting my beers out there. Do you know what I mean? I've got um, mm. my latest brew to an English pale ale, just using all British ingredients. It's not really my type of beer, um, mm. but I just thought I'd try something different because. I had some Bramlin Cross and Centennial hops lying around, which are UK hops. Um, mm-hmm. And I had some Marisota malt, which is British malt. So I've just bought a few more little... Um, I've got some British yeast to use, Safeil, SO4, um, mm-hmm. and some more grains, which are all British. And I've just put them all together on the recipe builder. Um, it's fermenting now. It should be finished by the end, the end of the weekend. But it's it's smelling right. good, really nice, to be honest. Uh, it smells mm-hmm. really hoppy and... Smells more like um, an IPA than a, it does a, 
an English pale. So mm. see how see how that one turns out. And then next yeah, yeah. is the another uh, volume two of this most uh, social distant IPA with the motorwaker. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I've got about 10 beers lined up after that. I just need time to do them. <laughs> yeah, just a never-ending list of other beers it that is. you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose that's the difficult, like you say, with brewing a, a version two of this this socially distant IPA is that as much as you might want to brew that because it's a good beer, like you say, chomping at the bit to brew something else or something new or different that you want to try, it's, it must be hard to, to balance it and get it all. all yeah, it is. Up. I mean, I've, I've seen, I've just been doing brewing one beer um, every time I've been home, but I'm going to up it next time home to two beers. I've got two mm. fermentation fridges. Um, one of them is, has got a wi- Wi-Fi control, but the other one hasn't. Um, mm. So I'm just going to try and do two brews every time I'm home um, and just to increase my production because I'm const- even though I'm brewing beer on a monthly basis, I'm constantly, like today, I had no beer left, so I had to go and buy some beer. Um, <laughs> And one of my, my one of my other friends in the home brewing community said, "I need to up my production massively, or stop drinking as much because you shouldn't ever be left with no beer when you're a home brewer." But, yeah. uh, or stop sending it to people as much. That's another <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like you say, you don't want to just sit and drink it all yourself. Cause I no, I'm, I'm happy for the people do, to drink it. it. It's uh, mm. I like people to drink good beer. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. I hope my beer is good anyway. But yeah. No, no, for sure, mate, and it definitely is, and I'm looking forward to to seeing what you bring out, and you know what mm-hmm. what other what other brews you can do, and like you say, if you can if you can do a, a New England for sure, if you can kind of master that with your your water profile and things, that's definitely yeah. up my street, and I'd be interested to see what um what you can what you can make of a, a New England on your kit, yeah. and uh, well, see the, the finished product. Yeah, that's after I do the volume two of this social distance. That's the next one I'm doing in New England, I can mm. yeah. I'm going to be using Citra and Galaxy Hops because um, right, they go okay. really, really, really well together in New, New England oh, yeah. IPAs. Um, mm, 100%. Yeah, and I'm just sorting the grain bung out in the moment because obviously you need, New Nipahs have got a really smooth feel to them. Um, just yeah. working out the percentage of like, oats to use in the grain bill and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so it's a work in progress, but I'll have it um, ready to brew within the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Cool. Looking forward to it. So mm-hmm. with, um, the one thing that I'd, I'd pick up on there is what you were saying that obviously your, your English pale ale that you're not not normally your sort of style or beer. Yeah. Then. Do you find yourself you want to try things to brew things to kind of better your kind of knowledge and experience? And or yeah, just... I just um, there's a lot of beers that I, I might have drank like a, an English pale ale years ago um, that I didn't. I might have put me off them. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. Something my granddad used to drink or whatever. So I've, I've decided to brew this with my own twist on it. I mean, Centennial hops are a really fruity kind of hop, even though they're a UK hop. Um, mm-hmm. And it, 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 yeah, quite like an IPA hop, but it's going to be quite a fruity pale ale. Um, so I'll just see how it is and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. And I think, and again, I think that's the beauty of it. And, you know, you can see just what it does to it, like you say, in terms of what it, what what it comes out at, how it tastes, mm-hmm. you know, the the flavour profile and, and the build of the beer and you know, the overall finish of it. Like, say, you, you don't know till you try it, really, do you? That's the, no, that's you don't the, know. That's the thing. Yeah. And it's, I know. don't want to just be stuck brewing, let's say, four or five different styles of beer. I want to be able to brew quite a few, um, most mm-hmm. beer styles, you know what I mean? So it's just a learning curve, really. Um, being it, when once I've brewed up this pale ale, I'll know how to brew other pale ales and change the recipe and things like that. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and for mm-hmm. as much as I love a good New England IPA, 
if mm. I was brewing it myself, I wouldn't want to constantly brew a New England IPA because, you know, I, I know when I've, I've drunk a few over a session or a night out that you do kind of, you know, get a bit of tedium from them. I, I'd yeah. admit, I wouldn't want to mm. be able to brew or do different types of beers, like you say, to, to a learn, but like you say, not to, to pigeonhole yourself into brewing one, one particular type of beer. Like That's you say, it, if you yeah. kind of, you know, you can I, build I, a... Oh, go on, sorry. I was going to say, I, I, gave, I gave a lot of my beer out. Um, and my, my stepdad, an English pair, it's, it's right up his street. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I told him I was brewing, brewing that, and he's quite happy about that. Um, mm. And it's just good because I give them out. A lot of people might not have drank an English pale before, and it might get them into that style of beer when I give those bottles out. So yeah. it's just about getting different styles out there, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. And like you say, if you can build a... A sort of a, a malt or a you know a, a whatever profile for a for a pale ale and then you know tweak mm-hmm. the hops around it like you say you can you can tweak it there like you say from the hops that you add you've you've got a got a, a list as long as your arm haven't you as long as you can yeah. get the hops yeah, you yeah, know yeah. you can you can you can change it to a you know from a an English pale to an American pale or wherever you know New England you, you know New England New Zealand pale or New something Zealand. Like that. you know it's <laughs> yeah. yeah it's you know it's the possibilities again are, like you say with this you know Matuika but you've used this one you know you could build a New Zealand pale around that and it's just yeah mm. like you say something for everybody that's the thing like we said earlier isn't it you've got a beer that hopefully someone everywhere along the line will uh, will enjoy and and mm-hmm. you know have a, have a good time drinking it yeah definitely yeah wonderful mm. well that that's that's pretty much everything that we uh, we had to cover i think james so yeah. um so yeah so i think that's a as good a as good a place as any to 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 wrap up but uh but thank you for for coming on i uh, i really appreciate you taking yeah. your time to, to have a chat thanks for inviting me i hope you enjoyed your beers um it's been great yeah. speaking no no i really did mate like i say i'll uh, i'll bung the other one in the fridge and, and definitely have that over the weekend at some point but i'll uh, yeah. i'll be sure to to post it up on uh, on my instagram for you and uh, give you a give you a good shout out and uh, yeah. get people Thank you. knowing about you and uh, and co- hopefully come and pay you a visit and uh, eventually get some get some of your beers in the hands and in the glasses yeah. so um for anyone who's listening that's not following you then james where can where can they find you online about you and and you and the brewery uh, fox.brewing on Instagram um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, website's getting made at the moment foxbrewing.co.uk um, mm-hmm. it's just, that's just to track my progress for anyone that's not on Instagram really um, yeah. and that's, that's, that's the only kind of online uh, presence I've got at the moment with only being a, a kind of on, uh, brewing all grain since January but if you, any, yeah. anyone wants to get in touch just message me on Instagram or follow me on there um, yeah Perfect. Love your stuff. And like mm-hmm. I say, I'll give you a, I'll give you a shout when this, uh, when this podcast goes live, and I'll, uh, I'll certainly share your, uh, your beer over the weekend as well. And like I say, hopefully get people knowing a bit more about you. And uh, eventually, when it comes to it, if they can get some, get some beers to them, that'll be, uh, that'll be perfect. And it'll yeah. be great to see your, uh, your beers on the timeline at some, some point along the, along the line. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, that again, that's the kind of the dream. As if you, if you're scrolling through instagram and you see a couple of people drinking your beers then that must be the one of the best feelings you can possibly have (laughs) (laughs) must be like a almost like a proud dad i suppose mustn't it (laughs) yeah (laughs) proud proud brewer (laughs) yeah yeah exactly for sure for sure Mm -hmm. um so yeah wonderful so if you if you're not following james at fox brewing already then then go give him a follow he'll he'll definitely appreciate it and you can see Mm -hmm. what he's uh was brewing in the next uh 
next brews that he's got coming up next time is brewing. Um, for anybody that's not following me by now uh, on Instagram, I'm at points underscore of underscore brew. And that's also my Twitter handle as well. Um, so if anyone's got any comments, questions, feedback, anything at all that you've got to send, then by all means, please feel free to send them to my messages on either Instagram or Twitter. Um, if you want to send me an email with a bit more detail, by all means, feel free to do so as well. Uh, my email address is pointsofbrew at gmail.com. But until then, it's bye for now. But thanks again, James. Thanks for joining. And uh, hopefully we'll have a chat and a catch up soon. Yep, hopefully, yep. Cool. Lovely stuff. Thanks, everyone. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.